0: One mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, powered by the Portland Gear Store and Guardian Games. This is the Diamonds and Roses Podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. Guess who's back?
1: Who is back? Back again. Back again? We are back. Back again? Tell your friends. Yeah, please tell your friends.
0: Tell your friends. Tell your friends.
1: This tell guy. Your friends. Bye, bye, bye. He's out of control.
0: It's Monday when we're recording, after the Super Bowl.
1: And a boring Super Bowl it was, but I'm glad we're back on the mic and uh, back looking to get uh, something a little more exciting than yesterday's uh, farce of a game. But I bring it up only because it's baseball season. Yeah, thank goodness after that showing yesterday. It's baseball season. It's always baseball season. The smell of spring in the air. It is. Fresh cut grass. It's going to be great. It is going to be great.
0: Well, we are here for another episode, and it's going to be great. We got a two-part episode coming up for you.
1: We're at uh, Baseballism, a place we where uh, we've we've started to started to kind of invade and haven't been thrown out yet, emphasis on the word yet, yet. Um, and we'll call this our Baseballism Recording Studio, um, we'll just take it over until we get thrown out, like yeah. we plan Probably on be, doing. Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Be, tonight. be tonight. Most likely to be tonight. Most likely to be tonight, but...
0: We really appreciate baseballism. I, we want to give a real quick shout out. I mean, if you have not gone yet to baseballism, go to baseballism.com. Come visit the store downtown Portland. Um, it's got a great shop. It's on 22, 22nd and. Was it 30 out there? I can't remember. The, I can't see the sign name, but it's on 22nd Avenue, Northwest Portland. Yep. Um, up by the. Old Vaughn Street Stadium yeah, in this area. From one of so, our uh,
1: episodes. The t-shirts are fantastic. I was get, just checking them out. They are really cool.
0: They got a great Jobu hat. I watched yeah, uh, Major League. You need to watch it. Yeah. And you need to come down and get the Joe Buu. It's, Jobu it's the vintage.
1: It's the new. It's the old. It's everything. It's really cool stuff.
0: Yeah. And so, you got a great place here. We really appreciate them allowing us to uh, come in, set up shop, and record a couple different
1: episodes. Mm-hmm. and um, stink, up, I, stink up the air. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. You You smell. It's how I roll. I keep keep it natural.
0: (laughs) Well, anyways, um, as always, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And our special guest,
2: Kalen Budman.
0: (laughs) All right. And we are the Dimes and and Roses Roses Podcast. Podcast. So we got, as you can see, we have a two-part episode today. Uh, that's gonna be getting with uh, from Baseballism. And I'm always killing his name. So, um, but our special guest, we're really honored to have him on our show. Yep. And he is one of the four founding fathers of baseballism. Him and his friends back in
1: the day of big league chew and getting stains on their jerseys and everything. He kind of fits into that mold of of people that have their their kind of their their life kind of molded by baseball and and kind of networked. And 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 built something, and just this this whole kind of a spider web of baseball that we we've gotten into, mm-hmm. he really fits into that that mold. So I'm excited for these next couple episodes.
0: Yeah, it's been great. Um, and like you just said, Dave, it fits into the mold of everything that we've been doing. Everybody yeah. we talk to, somehow, some way, shape, or form, they're where they're at right now because of baseball and the way that it shaped their life.
1: Yep, and they're influencing it uh, even as we speak.
0: Exactly. So I'm going to turn the mic over to our special guest, uh, Mr. Rudman. take it away. Well, I first off, I appreciate you guys having
2: me here. Uh, the store is at 2215 Northwest Quimby, since we were trying to figure that there out. There it is. Um, and it's just, I'm excited. I've listened to some podcasts. I'm ready to jump in.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. So as we all do all the time, um, we want to jump into your your personal history, um, whatever you're willing to share with the listeners of the podcast and us here. and We appreciate whatever you're willing to share. And then in the second episode, which will come out in the following week, we'll go into baseballism and talk a little bit more about that and where you've been, where you are at, and where you're going in the future. So, uh, first of all, let's jump right on in and let's talk about, you know, your early years playing baseball. I mean, what, what got you into playing baseball?
2: You know, I... Uh I loved it since I was a little kid. Like, there's like, pictures of me uh, when I was just, you know, about a
0: foot tall. I'm not much
2: taller now, but I was a pretty little kid and like standing next to the ball bat, using it to like measure up, and it was above my head. So nice. I guess my parents kind of always uh, instilled a love of the game. Um, my dad played softball, so I guess that was the closest thing. And I grew up in a really small town, so going and watching the old guys play softball was about our only entertainment. And it just, I it couldn't keep me away. I just want to be out there playing ball, playing catch hitting the wiffle ball, hitting tennis balls, whatever, whatever I could do, um, to be involved with the game.
1: Did you family wise, was it uh, sports part of the kind of family culture or is it, or was it just your dad played softball or what was that like? Or
2: so, I uh, like uh, many Oregonians. My parents moved here because they were hippies. <laughs> and they're, they're Same here, by yeah, the way. Same here. They're yeah. chasing that commune life. <laughs> yeah.
1: We lived it. Yeah.
2: So, I don't know that, uh, it, you know, my, my dad really loved sports. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't necessarily like I grew up in a sports family where uh, everyone was playing sports and had this long history of it. Um, but I also, growing up in a small town, I had the same friends my whole life. And that's what we did. We played sports together. You know, you met up after school in the backyard and you played games. And then it, that carried on all the way through grade school and, and high school. It was, it was just the only real thing you could do to be engaged where I grew
1: up. Hmm. And so, uh, so in, in that, I mean, there's not other forms of entertainment. And I mean, lucky, luck, lucky for you, it kind of fit with you. It's not always the case with every kid, but it fit with you. That sounds pretty cool. I, I can kind of relate to that. Where was this you grew up?
2: I grew up uh, in a town called Alpine, really, really, really small, down in between Corvallis and Eugene, about 90 people. We had, I was the last graduating class from our kindergarten through eighth grade and then oh, wow. it was too small and they shut it down. Hmm. But I went to high school uh, in a town called Monroe, which is on Highway 99 in between Eugene and Corvallis. So hmm. that's where I, I played my ball, either in Alpine in these small country towns, playing against little Harrisburg, country towns. Harrisburg,
1: Junction City, out that way. Harrisburg,
2: kinda? Junction City, yeah. Central Lynn, gotcha. Oak Ridge. Halsy. yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah.
0: Um, Mackenzie River, we went played mm-hmm. all the oh, wow.
1: t- tiny towns. That tiny town, Mackenzie River, Sio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. 90 kids. Yeah. You
0: said 90 kids in your class?
2: Uh, no, my town was about 90 people. Oh, 90 people. Uh, yeah. When I finished the eighth grade, I think at kindergarten through eighth grade, there was probably about 70-ish wow. people in that school. And then at Monroe, I think we had like 130 people oh. um, in all four years. Yeah, I mean, It's a it's a pretty small school, a mm-hmm. little logging town.
0: I think I had a graduating class of like 80 and that's in Vermont, so that's where I grew up. But yeah, I, was about, I, mean, I was about the same. Yeah, yeah I had a graduate class of like 80 kids. So
1: here's the to small towns. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so um, you got into baseball as a youth. Uh, what was the position that you were playing, and what interests you about that position? So
2: I was a middle infielder. Uh, played a lot of shortstop growing up, and then eventually played a lot of second base. I just I liked being involved. Uh, also, you know, I'm not very big, so it really kind of lent. Uh, it, it made sense for me. I always wanted to be like a first baseman because I thought I just had the greatest hands and I could pick everything. But when you're you're like five four, uh, nobody really needs you at first base because you might pick everything, but you can't reach just balls that you should yeah. catch.
1: Third um, base is sailing them on you, yeah. absolutely.
2: But you know, I just I like to be in the mix. You know, I kind of like to stay active. And, and anyone who really knows the game, you know, you're constantly moving in the middle infield, and uh, that, that was for me.
1: So community baseball in the area, and I, I, we you know we've talked on this show about um, how, you know, off season and off season from high school baseball and club baseball and how that's changed. But when you played, uh, in the, in the Monroe area, what was, what was, uh, baseball outside of the high school season? Like, what did that look like?
2: I, you had to go play for someone else for gotcha. like, summer ball, things okay. along those lines There there wasn't, you know, it, some years there was, were enough people to, to play for Monroe. Uh, mm-hmm. I played for Junction City. Okay. I played for a number of schools. Uh, as we grew up, I was kind of, you know, I'm old enough that club ball wasn't really a thing, especially down in the Valley. I don't, I'm not totally sure how big it is there just yet, but baseball, uh, Northwest, uh, which was baseball Oregon, which was kind of at the forefront of all that was just starting. So I play fall ball with okay. kids from Albany and Corvallis and things like that. But so it was from hard. Some
1: bigger schools. Yeah. You, you yeah. Had yeah. To.
2: You absolutely had to, yeah. because at a school, those tiny schools, as you probably know, mm-hmm. the kids who play sports play all three sports. Yeah, usually. They
1: have to, or the sports don't happen. Everyone plays two or three sports. So for me, I just
2: ball. liked baseball. And so I had to put in the time and effort to go find baseball in other places. Mm. So I'd go up to Salem during the week, or I'd go to Albany. I'd go Corvallis. Um, that both during the summer and mm-hmm. then during the fall to, to keep it going.
0: Cool. And you know when you're playing shortstop, you're playing middle infield. You know what? What was one memory that stands out the most for you, like during a game that you can say now?
1: Or, or what was your what was your thing? Like what was your? Would you say your?
2: Well, probably my thing was that I was kind of a jerk would be my guess. (laughs) I was probably a guy who was bobbing around and and, and talking to the runners and maybe touching them and doing all that kind of little nonsense and uh, trying to be on that line. Yeah, Um, a
1: little back pick action, mm -hmm. yeah. You ever do any
0: trick plays, like, you know, hidden ball or something?
2: I don't know about hidden ball. You know, a lot of good wheel plays, things along those lines. I remember especially small schools where there would be, one or two really good kids, and the rest of the kids are just kind of rounding out the team. There would right. be a lot of things.
1: They don't like, have that big school depth, yeah.
2: A lot of trick plays, a lot of weird, because that's that's what you needed to get ahead, because there wasn't always the talent. Yeah, I remember there's a lot of schools used to do the, the old uh, base runner fakes that he fell down in the middle of the path and <laughs> caused a disturbance. That was a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so what was your team growing up on the professional level?
2: So kind of randomly, my, my dad is from Pittsburgh. Oh, i okay. here from Pennsylvania, huh. so I grew up a Pirates fan. And I was just, uh, old enough to be at that, uh, the, the 90, 91, uh, pirates when they were good, when they lost to the Braves and then sent them into that tailspin. So oh, I had yeah. a, a good little time where they were a really good team with bonds and Bonilla and all that. And mm-hmm. then they just were garbage
0: forever. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's like, it was like, in the day. They, they were decent, like through the early nineties and then, yeah. Oh. Huh.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Like Bonds, Bonilla, back when like Barry Bonds was skinny Skinny Bonds. Bonnie Bonita.
1: Yeah, Bob. Yeah. B- 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 yeah, yeah, B- 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 um well
0: what about uh what about the pirates? I mean, you you followed them for years. Like what was it about them that You know, made you interested in that team other than, you know, your dad being from Pittsburgh.
1: Why didn't you bandwagon off him? That's what he's trying to ask. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's hard to bandwagon off Mm -hmm. for me, at least because the logical move would be to go to somebody local and we just didn't have it. You know, the Mariners had Griffey and that was awesome for a while, but it wasn't like it was easy to grab grab onto a team. The A's, once you got past that period, were pretty boring.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Pirates had cool uniforms. Yeah. Always had the the black and yellow. So that was pretty sweet. And then it was almost fun to just be miserable. You know, because if your team isn't winning, it's kind of like nice to just be angry and pissy all the time because your team sucks.
1: what drives you. Yeah, yeah That angst. Mm-hmm. Sure, there you And go.
2: It, it lends to my personality. I'm more driven sometimes by that anger and, and whining than I am the, the upside. That's so funny. they were a perfect team for That's me. That's funny.
0: So was your favorite player playing for Pittsburgh or was that person on a different team? Or did you have multiple players that you really enjoyed
1: watching?
2: I So originally, my favorite player of all time was Daryl Strawberry. Just uh-huh. hands down And oh, called yeah. the
1: juice Yeah the, That stroke That long <laughs> yeah. swing Was just crazy Oh he
2: was so awesome So yeah. I loved him No matter what uh, But then as You know As he kind of Was fading out of the league I just kind of Rotated through Pirates players mm-hmm. Jack Wilson Jason Kendall mm-hmm. Pokey Reese It was kind of a, You know The guys that were Not really superstars Outside of Pittsburgh But they were cool then Yeah Jason Bay
1: Yeah, yep. yeah I remember Kendall Catcher He was pretty good yeah. yeah, no, my
0: favorite player, I've always said this, is a kind of a mixture between David Justice, Tom Glavin, and Greg Maddox. I really Because the Braves were on TV all the time, yeah, right? Sure. but I really like Greg Maddox as a pitcher just because consistency and just how well he pitched and how he carried himself. I was very impressed by him as an individual. I mean, even though they were on TBS and you could watch them all the time, but still, Greg Maddox. Watching would,
1: their pitchers hit. Yeah, right. Those pitchers could hit. I mean, Glavin, Avery, Smoltz, they could all hit. Maddox. It's kind
0: of interesting because I remember yeah. watching this um, uh, TV commercial that I saw on Facebook that one of my friends reposted with uh, Glavin and Maddox, and they show um Mark McGuire hitting home runs, and all the girls are like, oh. It's McGuire and they're like chicks
1: dig the long ball yeah, <laughs> out that, that old yeah. Nike commercial. Shoot, Avery Steve Avery had a game he pitched in and went four for four at the plate. How cool <laughs> yeah. is that? You know,
2: yeah, I remember Glavin had that uh, the sports card where he was playing hockey in it because he had been such a good hockey oh, yeah, player, and yeah. so yeah. that was the, his year. That was, that was pretty sick,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah they kind of okay. redefined the whole pitching thing. So, take us a little bit through
0: your um, your, your younger years, your. You know and going through youth baseball and then do you make your way into high school baseball or do you kind of stay away from that No of
2: course so I you know I, we grew up in, and it was it was small town fields you know where I grew up that was called it like you were they said that they trained really good infielders there because it was the Alpine hop and what oh, that meant was you played on like, a cold cruddy dirt field and you just had Rocks. to be used to everything and we go play these small towns um, and then eventually you know we consolidated and went to Monroe and I, I played uh, high school at Monroe uh, cool. a lot of awesome awesome kids actually really you know Monroe was a, re- a really good for a small school I had great athletes and all my friends played you know they have there. a
1: pretty strong baseball tra- tradition at the like the 2a 3a level they do yeah. i think my
2: coach is he was young when he was there and i think he's he's like top 10 top 20 all-time wins in state because awesome. he's been there forever
1: do you um, do any other sports
2: i just played baseball really? i played baseball and then i played baseball year-round oh, okay. to the extent that it's pretty
1: rare for a kid going to Monroe. I'm sure. yeah well
2: yeah. there's a lot of travel and you know i had to mm-hmm. go to different places sure. which was cool though because i met yeah. all these different people and um some of my still am, i'm still in touch with some of them had cool. great baseball careers uh which so it's cool to be like oh i knew that guy yeah drop right. some names it, it was uh it was my life i really really loved baseball
0: that's cool and so you're traveling around playing baseball all the time i mean what were you doing like academically at the time were you starting to look at college or what was kind of the future aspirations that you had in mind to be honest when you're at a school like Monroe. uh you know, academics
2: weren't that hard. You know, there wasn't. And there's no not
1: much like, of a college going culture.
2: No, yeah, and, I can relate. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents were, were. It was good. Uh, my parents definitely pushed me that I was going to go to college. And shockingly, most of my friends. I mean, uh, an astounding number of my friends and classmates were going, which so,
1: is rare for a class coming out of a school like that. Absolutely. I can totally relate. I, absolutely. Yeah.
2: So it was. It was never in question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was interested in playing baseball. I was just okay. So it wasn't like I had a... And I, I'm not a big dude, so there, I didn't have a ton of options. Mm-hmm. But I definitely uh, was looking to explore it. But at the same time, I also knew that. Uh, my talent was only what it was. I, I didn't have crazy dreams. So I, I knew that I needed to go focus and uh, get a career. I didn't yeah. know what that was going to be because I, I was coming from this background of, I didn't know a lot of things. I grew up in a farm town, so it right. wasn't like I knew any I doctors relate. or yeah. lawyers or uh, engineers for the most
1: part. Any white collar profession in essence. Yeah.
2: So I just, I was just trying to figure out how to get out of there, but not get too far away because I actually really like Oregon a lot. So um mm. uh, made it through Monroe and I went to the University of Oregon ultimately. Awesome.
0: So what was one experience in, in high school for baseball that kind of sticks out to you the most that you remember like to this day?
2: I would actually say um, I got – I remember like my sophomore year I played on a, a travel team and went to Las Vegas for a tournament. Oh, we very cool. represented Oregon and it was just – I was playing with such good kids. And I had – I played out of – you know, just – above my level that tournament That's cool. because the rest of the dudes on my team were so good and um it was just so much fun to just get to be traveling and playing baseball it felt so cool and because you're doing exactly what you want but then you're like you know walking down the strip in vegas and you're 15 and it was halloween weekend and oh, just thought no we were the way. top of the world uh, and i got to, i got to have a few experiences like that taking these trips or really devoting my time to baseball and feeling like I was a baseball player. That's what I was doing with my time. Uh, That's cool. And it was just, it was awesome.
1: That's some quality. Uh, You know, I I taught and taught high school, lived and coached in Vegas, and and watching the level of high school ball down there. You're you're talking about the Southwest, and that is baseball. I mean, you wouldn't talk about year round baseball. So you probably ran into some pretty good competition, I'd imagine, down there. But that's way cool. Yeah, to have that experience, especially coming from a small town. Absolutely. Having, you know, just the the Vegas culture is as opposite as you get too. That's cool.
2: From no stoplights to getting to play baseball and walk up and down the strip. I mean, yeah, nothing like that. Yeah,
1: it's big time for you at
0: that point, you know, going from Oregon to there. So that's that's really a cool, interesting experience that you had. Now, are you staying in touch with any of those people that you played with at the moment or is it? kind of hearing on.
2: So I would say from that team, I don't think I talked to anybody. Uh the following year, I went back to uh Las Vegas and one of the guys on my team I played with in college and then my business partner John Loomis was on I we represented uh the state of Oregon and there was a Metro team mm-hmm. and he and another guy we played with in college were on that Metro team. Oh cool. So kind of pretty awesome and the guy who was on my team I've been close with since we were 15, went to Oregon together. I he lives overseas, and he came back by during the holidays.
0: Wow. So you went to University of Oregon. Um, what did you major in while you were at University of Oregon? Did it would just take a little while to get into that? I uh, I majored political science.
2: Okay. I thought I was going to be a doctor coming out of school, and then I realized I hated blood. And I didn't really <laughs> know what a doctor did, but I figured that blood was probably a, yeah. a deal. So uh, political science was my answer. And one day, early on, someone asked me, and they said, well, where are you going to be? And I was like, uh... I don't know, what does a political scientist do? And they're like, <laughs> You could go to law school and I was like, I guess I'll go to law school. There you go. And that was just my path from then did on. Did you go to VO? Uh I for law school I went to the University of Wisconsin.
1: Oh, very cool. how that how that come yeah. about?
2: I it's kind of the same logic. I was getting towards the end of school. I decided I was going to law school. I took my exams and I did better than expected. Mm-hmm. And I kinda had a list of middle of the road schools and I you know, outkicked my coverage a little bit, if you will, and yeah. I was looking around and um I had a little bit of money and I visited like three or four schools and I was running out of money. Didn't really like any of them that much. And I said, well, you know what? I could take a year off and go get a job, but I've never had a real job. I'll go to Wisconsin.
1: There you go.
0: It was number one party school. It was a
2: top, <laughs> sure. friend, you know, it was like a top 20. You're going to do it. You're
1: going to do it. Right.
0: There you go. So you spent three years in Wisconsin. What was that experience like for you? So cold. <laughs> so
2: cold. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. It was great. I mean, it was just, a. Uh, I I like Oregon. Um, it has a lot of organ like qualities. It's very uh, rural. I went to get outside the campus, but the campus was unreal. It was huge. It was a great school. Uh, education was good, uh, but there's some 30,000 people there, 40,000 people. It was a great party school. Yeah. Uh, you're oh, yeah. on the lake. Uh, I lived right by the lake. It was awesome. Did you go did to football games while you were there? I went to football games. It yeah. was crazy. They jumped, did jump around and the place would shake. It was badass. The
1: tailgating at Wisconsin games, that had to be just bonkers.
2: Oh, it was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. It was. I love going to Austin, but. Uh, they don't tailgate like they do at Austin. No,
1: no way. Wisconsin. Yeah, it's big 10 country. Did you, uh, so what, what type of law did you have a preference for or gravitate to? Like I, um, law?
0: I didn't really know. Again,
2: uh, I was just kind of, uh, just there trying to figure it out. I knew it was a good career track mm-hmm. and I ended up, um, not knowing what I wanted to do. I interned a couple places during the summer. Oh, okay. One was in a law firm in Los Angeles, did one in Wisconsin. And I decided, uh, I wasn't really into being a lawyer. And so gotcha. I, uh kind of compromise, and I joined the army JAG Corps.
0: Hmm.
2: So that was my path.
0: You can't handle the
2: truth. Yeah,
1: there it is. <laughs> we so, need you on this wall. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So how, how long was the, how long was the JAG Corps deal?
2: Uh, I was in for eight years. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And I did a little reserve time at the end, but okay. I was active duty for about eight years. Oh,
1: wow.
0: So during your time as a JAG officer, uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and kind of what you know, what you learned from that experience.
2: It was gr- I mean, it was unbelievable. I loved it. Um, I was deployed for three years. I was in Iraq and Afghanistan and I hmm. supported, um, the 82nd airborne. Uh, hmm. I was a paratrooper slash lawyer. And then I supported a special forces group. I w- it was third special forces group. We were, we owned all the special forces assets in Southern Afghanistan. I did a little bit of everything. I, you know, technically we were a prosecutor, but I did a lot of detainee ops. Uh, I did a lot of work with the intelligence guys I did a lot of weird problem solving. Just basically, I tried to earn the trust of all the leaders and fit in as I could because I knew how to write, I knew how to listen and help them kind of figure things
1: out. How did, uh, you know, you said coming from, we'll uh, say, baby boomer hippies, how did how were how they with your your, your military uh, pursuits? Oh, I'm I think curious.
2: so much crying when I told them that I was in the Army. It wasn't well-received. Pol- politically and culturally, I wonder how that went over. Oh, it was terrible. Was it important? was terrible. Hmm.
0: You probably gained a lot from that experience right. and you know, going to a foreign country, as you know, many of our listeners have you know heard from me uh, that I did myself. So, I mean, I know they got to talk a little bit to the JAG officer while I was in Afghanistan, but I got a kind of a general idea of. You know what they were doing a lot of like roe like rules of engagement a lot of just kind of saying here's what you can do here's what you can't do um you know talking about detainees and interrogating them and i'm sure you dealt with other military issues of dummies sure
1: (laughs) yeah you you have breath breath of experience at an early age i mean that that's a that's that's pretty insane
2: i lucked out a little bit because you know in my mind you don't join the army or any of the military to to not get to go do things, and I, I wanted to. I, I but within you know, I, my first deployment came like a year after I first reported, and then I just kind of just kept doing it. And then you kind of get good at being deployed, and people people like it. I did all the things that you discussed. It was it was super interesting in the special forces community. Actually, there it's a very tight. It's hard to promote, so a lot of okay. the commanders were kind of afraid of the politics of things. So I had a lot of time where we'd stand there watching drone feeds, and my commander would be like, "What do you think? Can I drop a bomb?" And I mean. Maybe I don't, you know, I'm not the world's best person to ask, but it was, pr- it was pretty interesting. Stuff. Wow.
0: Yeah. What, from a law standpoint in the military, what was probably the most challenging time? If, if you could talk about it, and I know that, that there's just probably some things that you can't talk about it, but because of being in the Special Forces portion of it, but what you can discuss, what was probably the most difficult thing that you, you had to do with as an individual?
2: Yeah, I spent a lot of time hauling detainees. Uh, which was probably hmm. less being a, like a lawyer and more being like a police officer of sorts. And, uh, I was just tough. I mean, some tough dudes, uh, don't like you, mm-hmm. spitting on you, headbutting you. Let me ask you this
0: question. Was this post the whole issue in, in Iraq with the detainees at that point? So this was a completely different experience and you, you know, a different engagement, um, at that point because of what had happened and kind of the tone that was set and the Pleasure you're getting from back here, so that must have played a huge role in what you were able to do
2: for sure. So, uh, absolutely, it was post the Abu Ghraib, and we were at that point in in these wars where uh, kind of the CNN effect. There was just news on the battlefield, and if you did mm-hmm. something wrong, it was going to be you know, spun against you by mm-hmm. your your enemy. So, it was very touchy, and people were very uptight. And I was. Uh, a very hard area because, again, you have these really bad dudes that you're hauling around, moving from facility to facility. Yeah. We were trying to help the uh, Iraqis at, at, when, during my Iraq deployment create this more uh, robust rule of law. So they were taking these detainees and trying to actually create warrants and then prosecute them and doing things like that. Super interesting, but uh, super scary, too, that you didn't yeah. want to mess up. And you're in the mix with some pretty bad dudes who are supposed to be the good guys for the Iraqis, too.
1: Hmm. And so, so at the end of that, what, how, what was the transition then? Following, following that,
2: so to get to baseballism.
1: Well, no, it, it would just just in, as soon as that ended, like what, you're, you're starting, you're starting, yeah, the deployment. You're starting to think about your next journey. And and towards the end, what were you thinking about? Like what was. Uh, that kind of mental process?
2: So I had done about three in a pretty short order, and I, I had one more assignment, and so um, I asked to come back west, and the Army doesn't really listen. So they sent me to D.C., and they uh, assigned me to the intelligence community. So I worked okay. at an intelligence agency for a year and a half or two, and that was... Um, I didn't really have a master plan, but that was really nice because it it allowed me to realize I just need to get out of this. I just mm-hmm. need to go home. So I spent the, uh, that time in D.C., Purely in this intelligence agency, uh, doing stuff that I had never done before and will never do again unless I go back to that part of the world. And it helped me really start focusing on, okay, I I gotta go be a civilian again. I have to get, get back to the West coast. Okay.
0: This whole military experience, like wrapping it up, you know, it's clearly probably a lot like, you know, some of the friendships that you form with the individuals that you go on to end up forming baseballism with, and you having this camaraderie with your, your friends that are in the military. Um, do you still talk with a lot of people that you were in with?
2: Uh, I, a, a decent number. I mean, the thing about the military is you move around so much, and especially with all those deployments, it, it, people are going so many different directions. And you have so I have so many friends that are still bouncing around overseas. So there's like there. I have a core group of people um, that maybe aren't core. Of my no, they don't all hang out together, but I have a, a select group of people who I still stay up with, and they're all off doing their own thing, and we we check in with each other. But it's hard, you know. You go and you, you're involved in this super intense thing. You have this great bond, but then when everyone goes back to Doing everything else, sometimes it's like you know you love that person, but it's hard to relate, you know, or the conversations are very brief.
1: Yeah, that's a transition. Yeah, yeah that a understand,
0: understand it's a different, it's a different realm of things because you're you're in. I don't the shit with everybody and you you only have like that certain specific experience with those particular individuals. Nobody really understands unless you've been in. And so to go from one thing to jump back into like the civilian world is, is definitely a hard kind of transition. So um you know you're at the end, you know they're probably saying, "Hey, we want you to stay. We want you to stay." Were you just like, "I'm done. I need to get this. I need to get out. So I was very much like that. And they
2: always pull the move. They make you kind of your dream job offer. And they made me a, a really, really interesting job offer. And it was, I had to go do a psych eval
1: hmm.
2: uh, in a different state. And it was a government shutdown just like this here. And so my, my travel couldn't get approved. I had already put in my resignation. I had an out day and they kept pushing it saying, you know, you should go interview for this job. It could be really, really cool. And wow. I was psyched. And my travel got canceled like four times. And I finally said, What am I doing? I just want to get out and go home. And at that point, I actually was my plan, I had family in North Carolina, I had been stationed in North Carolina. I was going to go be a farmer for a year. Just kind of throw just in the to towel, rent a room from somebody and just just decompress. And I I was about a month away from my final out day, and John Loomis, our CFO, called me and he goes, hey man, uh, I know you're getting out. Um, if I could pay you half time, would you come back to Oregon and work? He said, sure, I, I could probably do that. I can go find another job. I'm not trying to work that hard anyway. And then he called me probably two weeks later and he goes, if I can pay you full-time, will you take a full-time job with baseballism? And I just was like, absolutely. That's and cool. I had about two weeks left, got out, drove across the country, and started baseballism.
0: What was the drive
2: like across the country? Where'd you go? Uh, we went through North Carolina, went to West Virginia, went through St. Louis, um, Nebraska, a little bit of uh, the, the Dakotas, and then hmm. came down. And uh, weather was per- middle of the winter was February. Hmm. Weather was perfect until we got all the way out to Baker City. And it just started dumping, got stuck in Baker, city for a couple of nights, this old hotel, the, uh, geyser grand. And we just, uh, sat in the bar and drank whiskey for two days. It was nice. awesome. Then came home.
1: <laughs> you're having, you're having experiences that the kids you grew up with, you know, that have uh, many of, many of them don't have that kind of, that travel, that experience, that context, that's uh, pretty valuable. I mean, that's, uh, that's really cool. I mean, just to kind of just to have those opportunities and take advantage of them, um, and that stuff that you'll use and kind of develops your, develops your identity and develops your, your social and practical intelligence, right, in dealing with people. You know, that's what we sometimes forget. We, we think of intelligence as this one deal, but that social and practical intelligence that you're developing, um, that, that, that's probably come in handy, I'd imagine. Especially the, from, from law school in Wisconsin to the military experience and the travels and this and that. Very cool.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate your service. I, you know, it means a lot. Um, come, you know, and welcome home. <laughs> Thank you for everything that you've done. And, you know, I can relate, you know, to that factor. And, um, so, you know, you're drinking whiskey, you're yeah. traveling back here. So, um, again, in episode, ne- we'll next more, the next phase of the journey, Yeah, but the, you know, that next phase um, did you have time in between like getting back, trying to get like settled into then going into baseballism or did you just jump straight in?
2: So it was, first, I was just so happy that that I had a job mm-hmm. and that I was so ready to do yeah. any job and that I was working for my friend, myself, there was no pressure, right? Like it was the greatest thing ever. And then at the point I came on, we had zero full-time employees, and I was coming on. Wow. And then uh, Jonathan Jawade our COO, was coming on full-time, and then Travis Chalk, our CEO, was on the verge of coming on full-time. He was teaching PE at PCC, which is a pretty sweet gig. Yeah, so he, he needed yeah. to ride that out. So yeah. it wasn't that intense. We were doing thirty orders a day, you know, sixty orders a day, something like that. So there was a lo- you know, we started work at ten. We always took lunch together. You know, we left not too late in the day. It was a very very good transition yeah. we had a great time
1: and so the timing worked out for timing you was too. Perfect. that's cool
0: excellent yep. well you know we really appreciate you know you coming on and Thanks we'll for the time. have you on again and we'll record another one right after this song. but appreciate you being on the show um thank you for having us and thank you for sharing um, your history and your background with us and i'm glad that you're able to do so And uh, we will call it for this episode.
1: And we'll transition into this institution baseballism here shortly. the Mecca. The Mecca. Awesome.
0: um, As always, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And I'm Kalen. And you have yourself a great day. Peace out. Peace out.